are watching and listening to Now Steaming. This is the podcast where we serve fresh hot takes from the millennial Chinoy perspective. My name is Stan C and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts. They are the co-creators of So Asian Comics, Kimberly Mass and Cedric Cheng. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think both Kim and Ced are really excited about this week's episode because we're talking to a fellow millennial na Chinoy na artist. So someone whose work is really right up your alley. Right. I'm so excited as well. I believe um, we've already met before in one of the Comic-Cons and right now it's just an honor to actually interview, well, I think I should say it myself, Rob Cham here in the podcast. So um, hopefully we get to know a little bit more about Rob behind the scenes or who he really is and his Chinoy background and everything else. Yeah, we'll get to talking about that in a bit. Of course, Rob is one of the many Chinois featured in the documentary Chinese by Blood, Filipino by Heart, produced by Chinoy TV and directed by Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Mike Karandang. Of course, the three of us are part of that as well. And you can hear all of our takes throughout the 10-episode uh, series, which airs on CNN Philippines. It's also live-streamed on cnnphilippines.com, Sunday nights at 8 p.m., and you can catch the replay over on the Facebook page of Chinoy TV every Wednesdays. So that's when they upload those episodes if you want to hear from us. But yeah, this episode's probably a, uh, a bit longer, a bit more unfiltered in terms of like the things that we um, are allowed to say <laughs> on the documentary. So right. let's bring in our guest, who I'm sure has a lot of thoughts about growing up Chinoy and particularly not being a Manila-based Chinoy. It's a, it's a perspective that we don't get a lot of here on the podcast. Let's give him a proper introduction. He's the uh, art director of Linea Linea. He's also uh, a web designer, a teacher, a storyboard artist, a colorist. A caricature artist. Uh, in my book, he's someone you'd probably call a slashy. Because I'm damning slash in his uh, occupations. Mm -hmm. And he's also part of the core team of Unnamed, which is a Southeast Asian comics collective. Let's formally welcome to the podcast, Rob Cham. How's it going, Rob? Hey, everyone. Hi. Yeah, really nice to have you on uh, on the podcast. Uh, this is something that, or, or an interview that we've been trying to uh, nail down for quite a bit. Because you sketch not in, you know, uh, they, they're all over the place. Uh, all of us being creative. So I'm really happy now we were able to sit down and finally have some time to just uh, get to know one another. Excited. I have not listened to an episode of this yet. This is the first I've heard of Now Steaming when Sam brought up. So I'm unfamiliar with the format and all of this. But now I'll have to start listening. No, don't worry about it. I mean, like every time someone tells us, now, you know what? We, we've never heard of your show. That's fine. Because yeah. like, uh, <laughs> if, if somebody actually said, you know what? I've heard about you. Ayon, dun kami magkakaroon red flags. Oh, okay. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, what did you actually hear, right? So, okay, so what <laughs> did nice you actually, actually hear? Fresh. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. so um, I'm I'm gonna start, I guess, with uh, talking about how how Rob and my circles have uh, intersected over the years. Because like I remember having followed you on social media years ago, and I think it was because of the local wrestling scene. Like for some reason, when the local wrestling scene took off. Puro mga artists yung mga unang nagpa-follow sa amin. And you were one of the first people who took notice of what we were doing. Yeah, like, um, I remember how... What was that school in Makati that you guys performed at? Uh, uh, I, yeah, I know there was the Makati Cinema Square days, but then that's the days that I came in. Like, around four years ago that I started watching... Um, are we allowed yeah. to say their name? Cause, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 we yeah, are, we are, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, PWR. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how like I started like that's how I first learned about Stan C and then got to know everyone else in that scene because yeah, like everyone's friendly and everyone sports this interesting thing. 
pag PWR local wrestling. Sobrang ano lang nakakatuwa na yun nga these these circles were actually intersecting. I also talked to Stan a bit about wrestling since you did PWR and I'm also a wrestling fan but not so much anymore right now. So it's just really crazy how small the Chinoy circle is plus you know if you have all these interests sobrang ano talaga you just meet yeah you're bound to meet eventually so you're bound to bump into amazing. each other yeah i mean besides stan i actually met the two of you at a comic at yeah yeah when you guys were selling yeah yeah when you guys Keep were selling centrist. um so asian comics and i remember reading it after buying a copy and then going back and telling you guys yo i hope you guys make more <laughs> <laughs> uh, like we were flattered and honored that oh my gosh it's the rob champ visiting our booth <laughs> remember that kim yeah i was i remember that moment it was it was that kind of moment where we're in like rob like goes to our booth and we're like oh i don't think he's gonna come here he's not gonna be interested in these stuff and when he actually came over we were like oh my god it's rob champ we have to get a photo so yeah we did and it was actually the photo that we actually put out every time we have like um interview or like media stuff like hey we actually we had, had that moment now you know we're not worthy we're not worthy <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, we were we were really new back then so it was really nice to have like a fellow chinoy who appreciates our work so yeah i even, so, so I even bought a shirt yeah <laughs> yeah let me ask you rob how did it feel when you uh first uh came across so asian comics like from your perspective as a Chinoy artist now oh these are people who are actually creating this art that probably reflected some of the uh, experiences that you grew up having the second part I'm not so sure about like the experiences um because for example like my grandparents passed away when I was young so I couldn't relate to that part um it's more yeah it's there is certain stuff that I picked up that I only knew because yeah I was part of the Chinoy community in that comic and then some of these problems are not talked about anywhere else um so like I, I i was happy to see that kind of experience actually being shared in the comic like i would also make autobio comics when i was starting out but i never really incorporated any of my chinoiness because it never really played a factor <laughs> yeah, no, no no it's okay so like i noticed that there's a bit of uh, a bit of hesitation and i just want to say in a safe space now you don't have to like saying that, oh yeah, yeah. I, I feel as Chinoy as you or whatever. Like to me, at right. least, I don't care about that. I think there's a prevailing sense in the larger Manila Chinoy community that you, know, you have to be a certain way to be considered Chinoy. And I just want to break that and say that we don't encourage that on the podcast. So, you know, just so you, know, just so you feel more comfortable, Rob. Uh, like it, it doesn't matter to us how Chinoy you supposedly are. I think your experience is as authentic as the rest of ours. So you know, that, that's what I kind of want to get into, actually, because um, you were telling me uh, via chat before we started that uh, you grew up in Baguio and that you weren't as in touch with the stereotypical Chinoy lived experience as everybody else. So can you paint a picture for us, yeah. please? Um, so growing up, I knew I was Chinese from when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> <Same>. uh, <anyway. laughs> okay, um, so growing up... Um, I was very frustrated to learn that I had to go to two different schools and everyone else just had afternoon or morning school, right? So I went to the morning class for English and the afternoon class for Chinese. I'm sure that's kind of what happens here, but it's integrated that it's like 
English, Chinese, same school. Here, I had to go from one school to the other and then just kept doing the same amount of homework because the Chinese class would also be English and Chinese. I guess my parents just didn't like the English education of the Chinese school. <laughs> so, uh, okay. yeah, I thought that this was normal to have to work twice as hard <laughs> since I was a kid. And yeah, the community was pretty much everyone's children went to the same schools, like majority of the Chinese people I knew. The Chinoy community in Bag is very close knit. Um, a lot of them own hotels and businesses, that kind of deal. So since it was small, my dad pretty much was, he moved there in the seventies from Manila, made friends with the community. I didn't really like feel as much as of a division. I remember that being in the docu where Stan was mentioning how when they went to that school, it felt like you, you that was the whole experience, right? Where the Chinese people you knew were just at school and then that was the whole thing where it's like everyone happens to be kind of like same-ish. But for me, it was like I was exposed to a lot of a lot more, I guess, a, a bit different kind of thing where it wasn't purely Chinese students at my school. Like we were just maybe two in a class, three in a class like that. It was a small school. And yeah, I only ever got to interact with the Chinese community at birthday parties where they threw banquets or they throw like a party at Baguio Country Club for a 90-year-old grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like for an anniversary, that kind of deal. But um, there wasn't any... Chinatown that I knew of, there wasn't any like place that we all hung out. I wasn't really that close with my Chinese classmates, yeah, or the Chinese community. So I kind of just went on with my own interests, where I was um, making art and Magic the Gathering, geeky, geeky video games. Well, I can relate. Yeah, <laughs> you pretty much have the same upbringing as well, because despite being Chinese racially. I also wasn't close with the culture, um, as you would say, right? I was going to ask about uh, whether you felt different. Because hmm. you said there were like two or three Chinese kids lang in your class and you didn't really connect with uh, the other Chinese kids. So anyway, like, uh, did, did you see yourself as different from them? Or uh, was, that, was that something that even entered your consciousness as a kid? As a kid, I would just get made fun of for like, having smaller eyes than everyone else. Like, uh, usual bullying stuff but yeah um that stuff kind of passes so um yeah it just didn't click i guess like i didn't get along with them not because of any lack of effort it's just you just make friends with the friends that you make with but for me i didn't really make any friends either <laughs> uh, growing up like with filipinos or chinois so yeah. I totally understand that. Like yeah. for me as an artist as well, like growing up here in Manila in an all-girls school where <laughs> you have like certain standards, certain um an up certain upbringing. Like it's it was difficult for me to actually make friends when I was younger because you know you were a little different. Like I, I liked certain things, I liked certain um genres that the usual um, Ikans wouldn't like or the all girls wouldn't like. So it was, um, I can totally relate to that. But, you know, going back to your story about the Baguio community, the Baguio Chinoy community rather, like was it a factor for your yeah. for your dad or probably like your family to like have Chinoy friends all the time? Or was it, they were really chill about it? Like, uh, okay lang na, I don't have any Chinoy friends. Like you can just make friends with whoever you want. 
Yeah, they never brought that up. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, like, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like the friends that my dad had were mostly Pinoy or mm -hmm. half Chinese. But yeah, that's because it isn't a big knit community. And my dad was a banker in Baguio. And mm -hmm. that's how he made a lot of his clients and a lot of friends there and helped a lot of people get uh, funding for their businesses. So I think that's how like he became known in the community as like reliable and all that so yeah and then widespread of friends and I, there's a preference with you guys yeah yeah there is yeah there, there kind of is oh uh we, we've talked about this before coming tatlo na uh growing up lalo na when we made, uh, went to college so hindi na chinese school diba? oh you have a chinese it's friend? probably oh, just what's, us what's their business <laughs> yeah. what's their last name kilala ba natin so it's it's very strange hearing that from you na parang uh you know you mm -hmm. you did grow up in a Chinoy household but that wasn't mm -hmm. uh considered important na parang oh it's okay if your friends aren't Chinese or whatever so like walang ganun sa you, you never had that experience na oh uh, you have to find a nice Chinese girl ha <laughs> or oh, oh these friends they're uh ano ba? are they are any of them Chinese um, or any of that walang, walang ganun. there'd be hints of it where okay like if I had interest in a girl and then I tell my parents about it they ask Chinese basala but other than that, I didn't really feel like there was a push to be just with your own kind. Because, like, I guess mm -hmm. there wasn't much. And the people that we knew, that's already the people mm -hmm. that we knew. So it wasn't, I guess, as widespread as you guys, where you have so many different Chinois everywhere that you could run into that. Whereas mine, it was like, we already know everyone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I, a curious question as well, because... Uh, as for me, I went to an art school, just a little background. Like, I went to art school, and then obviously there were not a lot of Chinois there. So my parents would always send me to, like, um, family family events or probably, like, this study tour full of uh, different Chinois. Like, um, there's this study tour um, in downtown. Um, it's called... Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you call it in English, but it's in Liberty Hall. Now, you get to go to Taiwan. So they're, they're all, like, these different people from the provinces going there just to find mate. um you know a significant <laughs> other yeah or a mate yeah so was there ever a point that your your dad actually or your your family members actually told you that maybe you should go to manila so you can have more chinese friends or you can find a chinese mate was was there ever a point like no. that since wala masyado sa bag no Never. this is all <laughs> freaky to me what the hell what the fuck i love it what is i love this? the reaction what kind of okay, some it's just us. It's just us. Why are people doing <laughs> this to their children? What kind? What? <laughs> Why? Is this legitimately the first you hear of this shit? Like, I didn't know like... they would send you guys to go off for matchmaking. It's just us. Like, you joke that they're arranged marriages and stuff, but this is like... I would weird, ask the same man. thing. Like, you know? Oh, go to this retreat and then, oh, find a nice boy there. It's like... That's like, you know how like, it happens. like usually it's... <laughs> it should be like the parents are afraid to put their kids in a soiree situation. Here it's like, mm -hmm. go to a village, find a man. It's like... No, in this case, it's like go to Taiwan and find a man or, or whatever. Like, yeah. Kim, legit yeah. nangyari yun sa'yo, diba? Like, that's the experience that you got talked into legit going. Legit yeah. Exactly, because um, I think art school, diba? Yung sinabi ko, okay, mom, dad, there's just like one or two of my classmates that are Chinese and they're they're either taken or they're weird or whatever, right? So my mom's like, oh, okay, I, I know the solution. So yeah, let's bring you to Taiwan. And 
I actually legit, I, legit, I thought it was a study tour. And when I got there, oh man, it's a huge scam. <laughs> it's not a study tour. <laughs> it's not a study tour. It's Love Island, <laughs> but for yeah, nice, nice way of putting it. But <laughs> it was like that. It was really like that. There was there was also an age limit, like um, only eighteen to thirty two. <laughs> Oh yeah, because they give up on the this... 33 and above. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the 33 and above. I have three years left. Oh, fuck. But bring it back to you, Rob, uh, and, and your uh, lived experience. Because I wanna I, I wanna know how uh, how exposed you were to like the Chinese culture. Cause we we laugh about it, but with uh, regard to, for example, the comics that said and Kim produce, or uh, mm-hmm. when we talk about yung mga customs and traditions that we grew up around. So like for you, did you also grow up, say, wearing red kapag birthday, wearing white at funerals, all of that stuff? I know I'm, I'm supposed to, but they always my family was the one who always had to remind me. I mostly rely on my sisters and my parents to tell me if I should wear something. At a birthday, a wedding, a funeral, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I didn't keep track at all. So I have no idea. Even though I'm asking my sisters and they have no idea either. I know we're not supposed to wear black at parties. Yeah, for the most part. And then no red on birthdays. No, definitely wear red on birthdays. (laughs) Definitely wear red on birthdays. Yes to red on birthdays. Like with the incense and all that or... Uh, we do that on death anniversaries of my grandparents. Okay, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's mostly it was my dad doing that stuff and then directing us. Um, I never really got to know why or how or what the reasoning was or what the deal was. Like, did did you ever ask him why he never passed it on to you or why he never taught you these these uh, nuances? Uh, no, like we just did it and then. I didn't know it was supposed to be passed down to me. So, uh, yeah, I uh, still have no idea how to do any of this. And also, my dad passed away already. So, like, I, mm, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. It's okay. But I'm learning on the, like, as I go along. My sisters usually are, are the ones reminding me of, okay, you have to do this on this day, that kind of thing. It's all right. Like, usually, when I do ask my parents, of why do we do this? They'll just say, because it's tradition. That's that. No explanation. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the conclusion. No, but it's not about yeah. the asking why. Yeah. It, it's not about the asking why. I think yung older generation, yung mas gusto, yung yung mas importante sa kanila is naipasa yon to the younger generation that your parents were able to teach you that or that you were able to learn it from them. So I guess uh, from someone like me, like my dad, kasi is really hung up on making sure now we learn these things and that we understand and that we pass them on. So I guess to me, whenever a fellow Chinoy comes along mm-hmm. and hindi sila familiar with these things, I always I'm very curious kung bakit ganun. So like, oh, mm. hindi, baka, hindi siya napagkwentuhan or yeah, it's not likewise. something you guys talked about at home? Yeah, but then they don't really explain why, right? They say because it's tradition. Mm. And then it feels like when you ask why, they think you're trying to get out of it when you're just trying to understand it. Right, okay. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, we would just do and then when I ask why, it would be like it's tradition, or ah, this so it goes up to heaven, and then like you ask more of the history, and they don't know either. So maybe it's just it's it's tradition. Just just do it. <laughs> On the subject of traditions, uh, one uh, Chinese tradition, alam kong like a lot of Filipinos na aren't even Chinese definitely practices Ghost mm-hmm. Month. Like we're recording this podcast during Ghost Month, 
So how about you, Rob? Like as somebody who's now right. getting into your own businesses, is that something you also observe? Because um, one of my other friends in, in, uh, in entertainment, Patty Chu, who's not Chinese, but has a Chinese stage name, totally practices Ghost Man. So like uh, that, that totally <laughs> cracks me up. Shout out to Patty Chu. So how, how about you, Rob? Is that something that you uh, are familiar with? It's something that I had to reckon with with my other jobs where we kept trying to get clients for when I was working as a web designer, as an art director. And then when it's a Chinese client, it's always nothing on ghost month. So it's just like, oh, great, our payment's getting delayed. But yeah. that's the most I've experienced of it. I didn't know anything about like, don't I, I still don't know anything about ghost month. Okay. <laughs> yeah yeah like mm-hmm. like right now what are the do's and don'ts i i know we're not supposed to start yeah. businesses or make make N- car purchases big. and like you don't do that every right. month no yeah. so like i'm i'm good yeah like n- nothing <laughs> big like don't sign a contract don't get married uh don't buy a house don't buy a car don't start yeah. a new job yeah just don't do anything big in short oh uh, basically don't do anything, anything life big. changing i think yeah it's okay rob i'm not even fully familiar with it either so i can relate to your plight <laughs> yeah so right it's ghost month because that's when the ghosts come out and they may haunt the things that you invested yeah kind of i, don't I learned that from google <laughs> i didn't learn that from anyone else like i asked my folks they don't tell me shit and when i got google that's what it tells me oh okay it's because people believe that the ghosts are up at this particular month <laughs> oh, did it ever frustrate you yeah. though when your parents ever talked to you about it like ghost month or just everything in general uh the culture in general like you know the traditions and all that it's usually a brick wall like i remember asking about these things and then it's either it's tradition or that's just the way chinese people are supposed to be is one thing that um i remember sticking with me when i asked about i think i wanted to get that too and then my dad was disproving of it and then it doesn't say anything in the traditions and like there's the whole boomer idea that tattoos are related to criminals i can understand that but then to put race into it nah, that's not how chinese people are it's like what man we should be anything we want despite what race we are <laughs> yeah. um, i can relate speaking of being anything we want um i realized i also wanted to ask that since um you're in a traditionally non-chinese um profession as well like being an artist um, how was it like, like when you decided that you wanted to be an artist and then you told your folks about it, um, was there any mm-hmm. resistance? That- nothing. No, like my nothing? parents were very okay. supportive from a young, from a young oh. age. And uh, they saw that I really liked drawing. They got me into art classes. They bought me books. Hey. They had me mentor under another artist, another Chinese artist, uh-huh. Norman Tan. He was also based in Baguio. And then, yeah, um... That's where I learned how to do oils. I learned how to do traditional watercolor, traditional ink stuff. And then when it came to picking out colleges, I got into UP, Ateneo, La Salle. And yeah, I, I thought, go for the degree because like opportunities when you graduate. I, I was the one who pushed for a fail safe. Like my parents were surprised. They thought I was going to go to UP and take up fine arts. <laughs> where did you go and, and what course did you take I took up management in Ateneo and wow that is the most Chinese course that you could have picked. I know what the, what the fuck dude yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when I got there I saw that wow. most of my batchmates were Chinese and I was like 
Yeah, I was huh. I was gonna say Bro, Dilang why? Chinese is like the most savior slash Ika course. Yeah, and then that was so confusing to me because everyone was lumping me with like, oh, are you from Savior too? And I had no idea what Savior oh. was. Okay, <laughs> my Savior. I don't know those people. He's like, what? Is this? <laughs> yeah, and Love I remember it. that I wanted to at least get some kind of experience with learning Chinese. So when I applied for foreign languages Chinese, they thought I was trying to coast by easy, and they put me in advanced, and I didn't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I genuinely don't know the language, and the teacher was really frustrated with me. I really tried to. <laughs> like, and you the know, rest of the class were also just like savior Ika people trying to coast by. I didn't try. Oh, sila mga patalo eh. Tinamo si Rob Chantry di natuto ng Chinese. Oh, English ay ka kasi. Yeah, yeah, even in Baga, that's weird. Where I'm, I speak English. You fit right in, though. You fit like right this, in the so. stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also another weird thing where everyone thinks I'm from here because of how I speak. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. Like my sisters don't sound like this. They they sound like yeah, people who grew up in Baga. Yeah, I guess it's probably because of the things you were exposed to as well. Like if yeah. you're exposed to like the arts, comics, and all of that, you're more inclined. I mean, I don't know. That's just. How is it? No, that, that's true. I think based on experience no. as well. because mm-hmm. yeah, because uh, for someone like me as well, like all of my siblings like different things, you know, Gundam, anime, and they all. And as for me, man, I was like the weird kid in the family, or even in high school and elementary. Like, I would listen to Joy Division, New Order, mm-hmm. Tears for Fears, and all that. Well, everybody else was like Akon and Fergie, right? So, Fergie's Fergie. awesome. How so, dare you? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not going to take a shit on Fergie or English <laughs> definition. Mix them both. Uh-huh. Okay, I, I, I memorized the rap. Anyway. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on, moving on. I just got so caught up with the Ateneo story because <laughs> it's the most, it was the most um, cliche thing that the Savior Ikan would do. But yeah. Yeah, I, I had I, no I, idea. I seriously, I was expecting that you you took up a fine arts course in UP because that was the thing. Anyways, okay. Here, I, I remember the question. Um, Was there a point that like you, you were telling your parents okay i got into the sal i got into up and these are the courses na I'm, I'm supposed to go into but then was there a point that your parents just told you like okay um arts maybe it's just as a hobby not as a career was there was there ever a point that they said that or they're just like yeah you know go do whatever you want go pursue the arts yeah. i put the courses that i applied for um didn't really consult with them i put management and then accounting in la salle and then up was i think also something business, yeah. Um, yeah, and they they were surprised and thought, oh, I thought you were gonna take up art. Oh, it's the the other way around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the other way around. <laughs> so you came into Ateneo, but you get into in, into management of all courses. <laughs> and did you have this idea or this impression of what the Manila Chinois were like? Uh, and and when you got there. How similar or how different was that idea with what you actually <laughs> saw and who you actually met? Mga elitista, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, see, let's get into it. Are flaming wings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the people I knew growing up, I thought they just were hardworking businessmen. They were friendly. They were pretty much open to each other. Here, it was very much like, because I was not from here mm-hmm. and also I had different interests and I wasn't, Xavierian or wasn't too frat boyish. Like okay. I could feel the difference, but also that they were very much some more chill. How is it different, Rob? Like uh, you, you mentioned the frat boy comparison. Can you try to describe that more? Because like I 
I'm from that community, but I want to hear it from someone who's not from that community. It feels like such a boys gang kind of thing. There's a and then because of the years that they spent together, they already have a tight knit group. So like, I, I didn't bother trying to get into that, right? Because like, I, I don't know, I'm not interested in the same things. And it was always that kind of, now that they're in college, time to let loose, go wild a little, go after girls, get that kind of thing. And then they would talk about like, oh, you check her out. And then like, Here's the thing. I never had a girlfriend that was 21. I had no idea how to date. There was no dating allowed in my high school. So like the college experience was just like, wow, this is hedonism. Everyone's just, I came from a Christian school. Mm-hmm. I am currently an atheist, but like, oh, wow. Everyone's just fucking, wow. <laughs> everyone's trying to get laid. <laughs> like, Yeah, it felt very that. They're one mind pursuits of getting drunk, wasted, being boys club stuff. And yeah, very much keeping within like the pure bloodline, like keeping with the Chinese and the Chinese. That's how I felt. So like, I would still get that weird thing where I would go to places and then like, uh, where Chinese don't show usually show up, like gigs or art events around the school, that kind of thing. And then like I would be the only one there. I remember the most Chinese I've been in inside a classroom with was when Celadon, the Chinese org, yeah, were accepting recruits, <laughs> and then I was just like. Yeah. Hi, I'm also Chinese. <laughs> so, you're Yeah, for the first year. And then, like, we didn't do anything. All the programs were, like, celebrating Chinese culture okay. and, like, management and marketing. And I was just like, what is, what is happening? Okay. This is what hmm. I heard about Celadon, though. Um, is it true that it's this huge org... Kind of like it's a it's a huge like kaisa or reto each or it's a huge pang reto. What? You know? What? Oh, okay, okay, reto? Oh, kaisa. Okay, what is kaisa? What is reto? Okay, kaisa is like people trying to meet one another for you know for the purposes of dating. Reto as in to introduce one another. Oi, friend ko si Rob. Oh, this is it's Kim. For you know, you're a guy and a. So that's one of those jokes <laughs> dun sa mga Chinese orgs. So whether it's CSA, yeah, that's what I heard. Anglicom in Lasalle, <laughs> yeah. Celadon in Ateneo, na mm-hmm. you know people just go there to date. And like, mm-hmm. um, admittedly, major reductive the new stereotype because some of these orgs actually do stuff. My activities din naman sila. But uh, the reason why the stereotypes exist is also because maraming sumasali dun para makahanap ng jowa. And you know, over the years, marami yeah. rin mga mag-asawa na yung love story nila, dun din nagsimula sa mga org na yun. So like, for you, Rob, did did it ever feel like uh, uh, like like you you were part of an org where people were just trying to find like a fellow Chinoy today? I went there to the General Assembly just once in my freshman year and never went back. There was there was nothing else for me there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I have zero idea how Celadon is. But... Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. That's that 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 is what the Phil Chai community to me is for the Manila Phil Chai. My mm-hmm. my experience is clickish, very much um everyone's familiar with each other. Um they I agree kind of stick to the mold that everyone's trying to plan for them for like from their parents and and yeah, I didn't really hang out with any of them. So not sure if there was mm-hmm. like some kind of deeper internal struggle there where it's like a frat boy is like, <laughs> I don't want to drink like this anymore, man. What are we doing here? Like, I don't... <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, like I, I haven't seen that. Maybe there is stories like that. But then I just hung out with the um, mask on kids and the yeah. um, information design people. Yeah. yeah. So 
Um, I may have taken up management at Ateneo, but I'm, it was just mostly for the degree. And then all my extracurriculars were Ateneo Musician School, um, Loyola Film Circle. Um, called, I forgot what the head org was, or it's the umbrella for all these different like creative endeavors, like film, music, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, that's my impression of what the Phil Chai community was, besides the random like Ninang or Ninong or Tita that you meet at like a mall and they start bothering you. Ah, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. Or a funeral. <laughs> so h- how did it feel though? Kasi sabi mo na, okay, this is my observation of this Chinoy community, but it felt like that wasn't your community. How did that make uh, you feel? It was all right. Like I, I knew that probably the Phil Chai community in Baguio was like, that's home, right? Um, as for here, it was like I found my own other communities that I felt more a part of, like the gig scene, going watching live bands, making friends there, um, going to different galleries and exhibits, making friends at conventions and cons. Same. Yeah, I, I don't know if I ever would have found um, a community to belong to. It was just based on race. Just curious though, Rob, yeah. and a curious question for me. Like you took up management in Ateneo. Then right now you're working as a web designer, an illustrator. So how did it transition from um, management? Then you suddenly got into the arts. How? What was it like? So um, even though I went to management, like, hey, I'm good at math. What do you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was cheering my friends on statistics and stuff, like my batchmates. I mean, but um, how I transitioned to like having an art career. I was still interested in it. So. One big help was my cousin, Rodney, Chinoy from here. He would show me around every weekend, but also he would buy me a lot of comics when I was growing up here. I mean, when I was um, first studying here, he would buy me comics every week. He would give me CDs of scans of comics. So I was always interested in comics, but the only comics I could find in Baguio would like be Archie's or really old like secondhand issues. Here in Manila, there's a fully book. There's a comic odyssey. There's a Phil Bars. There's piracy sites because they showed me how uh, <laughs> of scans of comics that I couldn't get my hands on. That gave me an education and like I really wanted to pursue it because comics were such a big interest for me. I got an education in comics and then I asked my dad if he could buy me a tablet so I could start learning digital art like a Wacom and he did. And yeah, it was me learning from the internet at those days. This was 2006, 2007. And yeah, I download PDFs, Dummy's Guide to Photoshop, how to use Illustrator, just so I can learn how to make comics. I kind of taught myself that. I already had some know-how from my art classes, but yeah, I just kind of started making comics and posting them online. How that transitioned to a career was, okay, so I was doing the thing. And then when I posted them on Tumblr, there was this thing called Tumblarity at the time. Depending on how many likes or retweets you get, you start to go up the charts, uh, reblogs. And then, like, I remember getting up there just because I kept posting comics. And then people picked me up. They featured me in news articles. I got jobs from that. People were asking me to draw their boyfriends or girlfriends. I remember that my thesis was, for management, the thesis is you start a business. And they let me do the graphic design stuff and none of the accounting or running the business. And I was like, let me help. And then they were like, no, we don't have to do this. You just, you just, you did everything that we need. You're good. And then like, I didn't do anything else for my thesis. 
and like I passed. Yay, cool. Um, but yeah, it turns out like that helped me a lot where knowing how to do these things led to a career. I got out of college, started freelancing with art, illustrating for different magazines like Rogue, Philippine Star, yeah. um, Young Star, uh, I think Esquire. Yeah, then that just, I still kept making comics, selling them at cons, and then one thing led to another, became a web designer because, yeah, and I learned design through that, became an art director, became a freelancer, worked on comics professionally, made a graphic novel, uh, storyboard artist, caricature artist. Yeah, it's it's there on my resume where it's like, yeah, I was just like, I can draw. What can I apply this to? Then I tried everything. And right now I'm doing animation, storyboard, comics, and storybooks. <laughs> Let's take it back to the documentary because mm. I, I remember this was something that you wanted to touch on before we did the interview. Oh, yeah. So uh, when we were first uh, talking to each other about getting this podcast episode um, set up, one of the things you mentioned that stood out to me was that you felt like the questions that were being asked of you put you in this little uh, mold. Yeah. which you felt you didn't belong in. So do you want to get into that bit? Because at the time that we're recording this, you haven't appeared in the documentary yet. <laughs> the trailer he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not in the trailer, but like... In the if, worst if possible were... way, where like the trailer makes me look like a coward, right? Let's get into that, because that's your story, and then that's your trailer also. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to hear your take. All right, so there's there's a trailer for me, but there's also a trailer where it's for all of us. And then the one I'm having issue with is the trailer for all of us, where my only dialogue there is like, oh, I, I haven't dated Chinese girls because I'm afraid of them. The rest of the context was me saying, explaining that was a joke. They just don't show up where I go. And then like, they made it sound like, what? Like I'm some kind of coward. And then like, I, I remember my friend sending me that link saying, oh, you're afraid of Chinese girls. But I'm like, what? And like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. That's the only soundbite they know weird. me for. <laughs> it was weird that they only put... They yeah, put then it becomes a meme yeah, that and so, that sort of thing. The, the second yeah. issue I have is how yeah. they put me in that box of how... Even in the interview, like they were asking me, did your parents really support your art? Are you, are you a struggling artist? Are, are you... Are you supported by your family? I'm like, yeah, I am. Like, they love me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so this is funny so, to me because yeah. that line of questioning follows the stereotype that, oh, you're an artist and you're Chinoy, so your parents probably had a lot of issues with it. Exactly. And then, like, even in the documentary that they put out, like, they made me sound like um, my yeah. parents disapproved when what I said in that interview was, they asked how did your parents feel about this? And I said, I guess just how any family here feels about art. Like it's not inherently unique to Filipino art, I mean, to Chinese artists. Like every family yes. here has apprehensions if a kid wants to go into art. Doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. Art is scary because like the old people don't understand it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's it. But no. yeah, um, yeah, that's what I want to touch upon where that's it. Like because I make art and I happen to be Chinese, I'm such I'm put into a box that oh, he must be disowned or his parents must not approve or or he must be this revolutionary. Um, yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure. Okay, what's the revolutionary part about? I don't know how that's revolutionary. I don't know. <laughs> revolutionary in the sense of parang oh yeah, you know you're bucking the trend. You know you're not uh, uh, managing a hardware store. You're not. 
running the family business. Oh, diba? In a way, medyo na-romanticize na rin siya eh. Diba? Yeah. Given uh, our, our generation. You're taking the road less traveled. Like, things things like that. Thing. So, let me ask you this then. Uh, when when Chinoy TV approached you to do the documentary, how did that make you feel given uh, you never really felt a sort of kinship to the local Chinoy community? <laughs> I remember how... I was joking about this like years ago. Like I tweeted it out where it's like, I know when will Chinoy TV notice me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to look for that tweet. I'll look for it later. Uh, after I'll this. put it in the oh, editing. I, I, I have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have it. I'll, I'll link it to you. Perfect. There. Okay. Yeah. And, and then it was just a joke because I know how niche Chinoy TV is. Yeah. yeah. Just shows up on like TV sometimes and then like, Okay, they only talk about people who do business or just feng shui, like Chinoy TV um, concerns. And like, ah, I thought it would be neat. Like, okay, I'm Chinese. I'm part of the Chinoy community. It would be nice if I was featured one day. That's the extent of the tweet where it's like, I haven't seen Chinoy TV in a while. Maybe I accomplished enough to be noticed. It'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, when they emailed me, how I felt was I gotta look for that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I was telling all my friends about it, like, guys, guys, Chinoy TV finally noticed me. <laughs> so I was excited at first. And then it started to be like, hey, go to the shoot date, do the thing. And then when they send the questions ahead of time, that's when I kind of like, ah, oh no, they're painting me as. <laughs> A rebel. Yeah. <laughs> but did you try to like ask them now? Okay, you know, actually, it's your life story, ko, so maybe, may, maybe steer the questions in this line of, uh, th- this line of logic or this thought process or whatever. Because like, uh, I also asked for the questions mm. when I got them, and I told them specifically, like, this is what I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On on the surface level, because that's what you expect when you, you know, like you hear, hey, Rob Cham, what's his story? He must be from Savior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, I always get that. Or, yeah, and my parents might disapprove. And then, like, I'm really, like, outside of the Chinese community, honestly. Yeah. Right. So I did bring it up when we started talking on the set. And they kind of were asking about it, kind of, like, tailor the questions a little better for me during the interview. And that's when they kind of, like, started picking up on, like, different things to kind of use for the documentary. So, yeah, at least that worked out. But I guess what you're talking about is, like, how there's always that thing where we always have to fight that stereotype no matter where we are at as a Chinese community, right? Where yeah, they expect you to be a business owner, they expect you to be an asshole, right. they expect you to be... Um, or they expect you to be like the model minority na hindi kagagawa ng gulo, hmm. or like if there's anything political, you shut up about yeah, it. Yeah. And like a quick Twitter search of Rob Cham, you've got some political thoughts out there as well. That's the thing yeah. I also noticed because like there's that whole thing about harmonious stuff and then people just going along. Right. Yeah. Like, 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 that, that's, yeah. The, that's a stereotype. And to, to a very large extent, it's Yeah, the model minority. Right, right. Yeah, I'd rather, you know, just like stand for like something than... Because I feel like the model minority would be someone who actually wants to participate in the country they are in. Yeah, so on that note, I want to uh, I w- I bring up something that you observed in, in, as you did... Uh, watch the documentary. So episode two comes out, and I, I want to enjoy it because it was a nice look at uh, the history of citizenship 
for our community, diba? Na for the longest mm-hmm. time, uh, the older generations were, were considered aliens. So they didn't get citizenship until 1975 during martial law. So um, I, I know you had some insights on this, Rob. And um, do, do you want to like talk through them just so you know, we, we could like process it together, I guess? Yeah. So one, when I saw that, I realized, oh, that's why my dad was a Marcos supporter. Because <laughs> uh-huh. he was born here and wasn't recognized until a, as a citizen right. until he was 20-something. Right. So the documentary gives details where we were second-class non-citizens. Yes. Mm-hmm. We were only allowed in this country if you were running a business. And your children were only allowed if, that's it, you could prove that you're running a business here. So it was always that tense situation where these people are trying to make a living. And they could get deported anytime if they lose their businesses or they could lose their families. Yeah, and it's a good stereotype. It's a Chinese ka may business ka. Because that was the only thing that they could do at the time. Yeah. You couldn't be a doctor, an artist, an engineer, a dentist. You couldn't hold any of these other jobs. That's what the documentary talked about. Like Teresita mm-hmm. was talking Fancy, about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that. And that explains so much of why, for me, like, it, extrapolating this might, might might not be the case this might not mm-hmm. be the reason but so many people have businesses they try to pass it on to their children they work hard for it that's one narrative the other narrative is so that you can stay in this country and then as soon as it opened up for us it must have meant that their daughters and sons could do more than just business and then they push them towards that where now it's like we have more doctors more lawyers variety of different chinese people in different interests, Chinoy people, right? So I guess that's why like my dad decided to go into banking because he could. Because after graduating, like he was a citizen, he doesn't have to go run my grandpa's business. And yeah, he could just do what he was interested in. Find pursuits elsewhere, opportunities. And I guess that's why like they were also supportive of me, like let him go where he wants towards art. Because they know what it's like to be denied the opportunity to be what kind of person you are. Right. That's, that's an interesting insight, uh, especially when you frame it dun nga sa context na hindi sila citizens, therefore their options were different, right? Um, I want to mm-hmm. go back to another thing you mentioned na uh, you, you realize that the timing of the older generation getting citizenship is one of the reasons why a lot of them uh, tend to support like Marcos or have fond memories of that time, diba. Uh, we mentioned this in an earlier episode of the podcast. Then uh, that, that's kind of the reason why a lot of the Chinoy community uh, associates Marcos with Duterte, and you know they're generally okay with his administration because of it, because of that association. Uh, Idol si Marcos. Oh, Marcos is the one who gave us citizenship and all that, diba? It's it's. Um, mm. I, I don't know if you uh, identify with this, but like putting these dots together gives you this little mind blown eureka moment, which doesn't justify everything, but it just helps you understand things a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I still hate Marcos. Oh my guts. It's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Yeah, these are things that people don't, uh, I guess, realize agad, right? Even the whole kidnapping thing. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have, have seen that uh, section about the kidnapping thing, uh, that mm-hmm. being a stereotype associated with us. Diba, Kim, you mentioned a few episodes ago how in Ika, for example, it was a regular talking point for you growing up because you had batchmates and classmates were, you know, disappearing and shit. Yeah, definitely. It was a big thing for us and my mm. my, my family was actually really worried uh, back then. But, you know, going back to like what Rob said um, about Marcos, I, I feel like 
we're in the same situation. My my parents would also say that whenever I asked them, like, okay, wh what do you think about the Marcos administration? What was it like back then? And every time I just I just get comments like, oh, you know, back in Marcos's time, it was great. It was actually one of the best. I mean, I wasn't there to experience it, but that was always they, their um, opinion about it. Yeah, their narrative about it. And whenever I ask them um, about the current administration, they're they're always they're they're not so sure, but at the same time, okay, sila. At the same time, yeah, they want to keep low key. They want to maintain the status quo and things like that. I remember my parents also saying the same yeah. thing, but I would just respond back to that, mm -hmm. like. Hey, you know, Adolf Hitler also built the Autobahn, right? But we don't hear Germany saying, you know, we should be thankful for Hitler for building the Autobahn, despite the abuses that he's done. So that's the same thing I would tell my parents now. Yeah, you, know, you can have the good and the bad, but that doesn't justify, you know, that person as being a good leader. So it's just something that I would want to say to our readers as well. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, w when people are dying left and right, I think yeah. that really constitutes the best of times. <laughs> exactly. Totally, totally yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, 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 we're, we're ending this episode on yeah. such a dark note but um, <laughs> I guess I wanted to talk about it because it's really interesting then the things that we uh, I guess are learning about ourselves you know the documentary um, for uh, all, all the good and not so good at least akin, may natututunan pa rin ako kahit paano, which is why I'm really happy that you know we got to be a part of it na you and I Rob started becoming friends because of it now we get to talk about ourselves our culture mm -hmm. our, our community mm -hmm. And um, I, I just wish that uh, people talked more, I guess, about, about these things. You know, we, we can probably spend another hour talking about how generally the, the mm -hmm. local Chinese community feels superior compared to everybody else. Like, that's another can of worms. But, yeah, yeah, I felt very much like lesser than them just because I couldn't yeah. speak. I wasn't mm -hmm. into the same thing. Difficult conversations. Yeah. <laughs> Do, do you want to get into that a little bit? Like, uh, you, you know, that feeling of being lesser na parang, yeah, you know, uh, you identify as can, Chinoy, you look relate. Chinese, you look like everybody else, but uh, how would they make you feel like you were yeah. lesser? Like, I was doing this pop-up graffiti thing at, um, I think it was BGC, and then old Chinese couple just walks by and then notice, ah, Chino Chinese ka? And then they start talking to me in Fukien. And I say, I don't speak it. And then... They suddenly like lost all yeah. interest, and then they just started still trying to make small talk. Oh, why didn't you learn? Were you, uh, you know, like all these other <laughs> like possible explanations of why I couldn't speak it? And then like I just, as in like I felt the respect going down and down and down just because I wasn't what they thought to be a good Chinese boy. Like, oh, he's doing art. That's interesting. It must be his business or something. I guess that's what they thought. But then it turns out like, oh, okay, I got contracted by this company to do this mural. And then right. I, I don't really speak Chinese. I'm sorry. I grew up in Baguio. And then like it just kept going down and down that I'm not from Savior, that I don't own a business, or that I didn't grow up in Manila. Or that's it. Like they even gave me advice. Find a good Chinese girl, huh? Yeah. It's like that didn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. And then learn Chinese, huh? It's pretty fucked up. It, it's pretty fucked up when you think about it. Because uh, it, it's them um, getting on their high horse and uh, trying to exercise yeah. some sort of superiority over you just because yeah. of their perceived values, which they felt were better yeah. than yours, supposedly. We, we have similar experiences as well, Rob, because I cannot speak proper Hokkien as well. And I remember it was yeah. one of our comic conventions uh, where I was manning the booth for So Asian Comics. And I remember this boomer 
Chinoy uh, dad would come over and yeah. ask about South Asian comics. And then when he found out that I couldn't respond back to his inquiries in Hokkien, he got really mad. And he told me that I had no right to be the author of South Asian comics. Or that we didn't respect anything, right? Yeah. 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 Like, I had no business. Like, wow. Oh, no, he started dissing. So, so like, wow, get off your yeah. high horse, boomer. So, <laughs> so wrong, like, dissing yeah, everything. It's like, I couldn't learn Chinese so because, crazy. yeah, I didn't have anyone to speak it with. And, like, <laughs> the application of it is just with other Chinese people. And like, Yeah, I totally understand. Especially being the arts industry, you don't really get to interact with a lot of Chinois anyway. Yeah, it's a payon, right? Like, if you yeah. uh, say, say if, if Rob had gotten into banking the same way na your dad did, uh, you know, the, the chances that you'd be talking to Chinese people mm-hmm. in Hokkien are, you know, way higher, right? But because you're an artist and because there just no. aren't a lot of Chinese <laughs> people in art, same with me, right? With hosting and with uh, entertainment. And even then, the, the Chinois who are there probably don't identify as strongly or probably aren't uh, as fluent as, say, Kim would be, right? So, parang um, I, I I share the frustration that uh, you know um, people get get up on their high horse and all that shit, and I I think that's wrong. I think it's uh, really un really unfair. It's really really unfair. Yeah, doing something more impressive. What the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. So yeah. we're gonna cap it off here, Muna. Uh, you know, we, we we can go on and on about the things that we would probably be complaining about, but I just want to say, uh, Rob, thank you so much for taking time out to just hang out with us. And to share a bit yeah. of your perspective as a Chinoy who doesn't come from Manila, has a different worldview and impression on the community than us. Because to me, it is refreshing. Now, you know, I, I don't get, get to talk to Chinois who aren't from Manila a whole lot. So thank you for uh, sharing your insights with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners and our viewers who want to get in touch with you or check out your work or even collaborate with you, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on... Most of social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Rob Cham. You can check out my work at robcham.com. And yeah, you can search me up on Facebook. Just look for Rob Cham with an M, not an N. That's another thing. Everyone keeps spelling it wrong. Everyone's so used to Chan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My name is already like freaking unique. Rob the M Chan. is wider for a reason. <laughs> I don't know why everyone keeps misreading it as an N. <laughs> They're like, it's probably a typo, so I'll just go with Chan, the more popular surname. <laughs> yeah. You know, angry Chinese uncle is natural to you, Rob. Like, one of these days, you know, you're going to settle into Chinese. your role as angry Chinese uncle. Mm-hmm. Just look at my Twitter. It's mostly angry Chinese uncle rants. <laughs> yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just going to settle in there comfortably. I can feel it already. <laughs> as for us, though, you can uh, hit us up as well and... Share your thoughts, your comments, your questions even. You can hit us up at nowsteamingpod at gmail.com. Uh, we do open the mailbag for anybody who wants to send in your questions and comments and whatnot. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at nowsteamingpodcast. On Twitter, it is at nowsteamingpod. Uh, let's go to said. Where can people check out your work and if they want to get in touch with you? Oh, you can just message me on Instagram, uh, Cedric C. Cheng, or you can just message uh, the page mismo of So Asian Comics are now steaming because I'm the one who's handling the inbox. Uh, how about you, Kim? Right. Nice. You said you're social media manager. Uh, as for me, guys, um, <laughs> you can uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also have a personal website. That's www.kimberlymas.com. You can contact me there. You can also check out my bio on all the other things that I do. 
Oh, shout out to the guys that add lagi Kim. Like send her a message first. Yeah, send please. A yeah, to all the people Kim asking got... me or like adding me on Facebook, please <laughs> just send me a message or like send me a DM if you want to collaborate. That would be really nice, okay? Compared to just Kim adding gets five me and I'm like, every day. what? What do you want from me? Like, <laughs> do you want to collab or stuff? <laughs> just it's really weird. Like they want to send you a CV, Kaisha. Uh, no, no, no. Seriously, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but let, let's go with Stan. Stan, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find my voiceover work, uh, hosting stuff, wrestling stuff over at underscore Stan C. That's underscore S-T-A-N-S-Y on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, uh, just hit us up with whatever comments. And, um, you know, we'd love to keep the conversation going here on Now Steaming. So we're going to end this episode here for now. Thanks again to Rob Cham. Thank you to my co-hosts, as always, Seth and Kim, for being part of this project. We're going to come back next week with our season finale. And we're going to close out the season with a bang. Hopefully, uh, you're going to be there uh, as well. And please follow the podcast, subscribe, share, let people know that we exist and that we keep talking about these uh, borderline uncomfortable things that your parents probably don't want you to talk about. And please stay at home if you can. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. And if you can, go get vaccinated. And remember to vote in 2022 because we need a different kind of change. All right now, Seeming Podcast, out. Mm-hmm.